This episode contains some graphic details and violent death. For younger audiences, parents should preview this episode to make sure your child is ready to hear this part of history. The Reformation in Germany was in full swing under Martin Luther, and the Catholic Church was under the threat of losing power in Germany. Then England had a Reformation. But unlike the Reformation in Germany, this Reformation came not from seeking truth, but from a king who didn't like being told what to do. Henry VIII was king of England. He had a deep-seated hatred of Martin Luther, and because of that, he got along great with the Pope. Henry was married to Catherine of Aragon. Now, Catherine, at the age of three, had been married to Henry's older brother. It was, of course, simply a marriage on paper. It was decided for Catherine that she would be the wife of the future king of England. However, the Future king, Prince Arthur, died suddenly just five months after their so-called marriage. Catherine, just a toddler at the time, had no idea she was now a widow. When Arthur's younger brother, Henry VIII, was ready to take the throne, Catherine was married to him. Now a young lady, the two took their positions as head of England. Catherine was very smart, and at one point, when Henry was away in France, Catherine was a regent of England and they won a significant battle of Flodden under her leadership. Catherine gave birth to a baby girl named Mary, and Henry was angry. He wanted a son, and he saw it as a personal insult that Catherine would give birth to a girl. And as time passed, Catherine did not get pregnant again. King Henry decided he wanted to get rid of his wife and get a new one. He wanted a wife that would give him a son, so he asked the Pope for an annulment. Now, I've heard this story my entire life, and even in history classes in high school, I was told that Pope Clement didn't allow King Henry to divorce his wife because the church was against divorce. This is simply not historically accurate. Yes, the church did not allow divorce, which is why the king asked for an annulment, not a divorce. And popes did this all the time for kings. The problem was that Catherine came from a significant family, and she had been placed purposely on the throne. The Catholic Church was part of the planning in that. So the Pope saying no had nothing to do with not believing in divorce or taking marriage vows seriously, and it had everything to do with power and control. The Church wanted power over the throne of England, and King Henry knew this as well. He didn't want the Church ruling over his throne, and he was sick of asking the Pope's permission for everything. Was the Pope the King of England, or was Henry the King of England? King Henry visited his friend Thomas Cramner, the Archbishop of Canterbury. Now, a little side note and a little review real quick. Remember all the way back to our episode on Gregory the Great? He had sent a group of missionaries to visit the Anglos and to bring the gospel to them. The missionaries, when they arrived, were given a small chapel and allowed to use it as a church. This small chapel was added to over the years and is the Church of Cattenbury. And it is this church the Archbishop of Cattenbury, Thomas Cramner, met with the King of England to talk about leaving the Catholic Church and starting a whole new church. It would be called the Church of England. It would be basically the same as the Catholic Church, except the head of the church would be the king, 
not the Pope. Rulers of nations across Europe were frustrated that the Pope was over them, but none of them had come up with such a daring plan. But perhaps, since Germany had started a new church, sort of, although technically Germany hadn't started it, the people of Germany had started it, well, maybe England, in fact, the throne of England, could do the same thing. The year is 1525. You walk down the street and enter the White Horse Tavern. This isn't a tavern with men fighting, drinking, and gambling. No, this is a tavern where men meet to talk, to debate, to read. Hugh Latimer, Robert Barnes, Thomas Binley, Miles Coverdale, Matthew Parker, Nicholas Shaxton, John Rogers, John Bale, and William Tyndale, all sitting at a table talking about the writings of the men from Germany. Some call this tavern Little Germany. These are men of God who wanted to bring a reformation to England. They wanted to break free from the Pope and have the freedom to write and preach the Bible. You join the men, you have news. I've met with the king. He's going forward with his plans of a new church, the Church of England. The group breaks out all at once, speaking. What will this mean? Will the Reformation really come here to England? Thomas Cramner did meet with these men at the White Horse Inn. And while the king wanted a Reformation to get himself out of under the thumb of the Pope, the men in the inn wanted a Reformation for an entirely different reason. They wanted the light of the gospel to spread across England. With the help of Thomas Cramner, the king did leave the church and start his own church, the Church of England. And the first thing on his list was to annul his marriage to Catherine. He already had a new wife in mind, Anne Berlin. Catherine and her young daughter Mary were sent out of the kingdom and sent to live in Kim Bolton Castle. Mary was very young, but the memory of that day stayed with her forever. And as she left her home, she vowed she would return one day and have her revenge. The marriage of Anne Boleyn happened very quickly. She was a Protestant, and for the Catholics in England, that made them very angry. But for the king who was starting his own church, it was perfect. Anne Boleyn was very smart, and as a Protestant, she had a lot of ideas for this new church. But King Henry had not married her for her ideas. She had one job, give him a son. Anne got pregnant, but she had a little girl, Princess Elizabeth. The king was angry, and once again, he saw it as a personal insult that his queen would give him a daughter. He also did not like that Anne was constantly sharing her ideas and refused to be the quiet, submissive wife he thought he was signing up for. He began to regret leaving his first wife, and he began talking to his aides about going back to Catherine. Then Anne got pregnant again, and the king decided to wait and see if it would be a boy or a girl. Then, January 7th, 1536, word came to the king that Catherine had died of an illness. A few days later, on the day of Catherine's funeral, everything went from bad to worse. The king was participating in a tournament that day. Anne was in the castle when an aide came to her. It was clear something terrible had happened. The king had been thrown from his horse, and he was badly injured. In fact, he may die. Anne went into shock. Her aides helped her to the bed, but she just could not calm down. Then suddenly, she went into labor. She gave birth to a little boy, but the baby was only 15 weeks old and died. The king recovered from his fall 
and learned that Anne had given birth early to a little boy and the boy had died. He went into a rage and it was the end of Anne. Shortly after that fateful day of Catherine's funeral, the king's accident and the early birth and death of the prince, the king had three men arrested for having an affair with the queen. Anne and the men all said there was no truth to this and the king gave no evidence. However, all three of the men were killed. Then on May 19th, 1536, Anne was beheaded. The king now had two daughters, Mary and Elizabeth, both of them motherless. The day after the beheading of Anne, the king announced his engagement to Jane Seymour. And just 10 days later, they were married. On October the 12th, 1537, Jane gave birth to a little boy named Edward. Shortly after his birth, Jane got an infection and not long after that, she died. The king, however, had his son and Edward was the greatest treasure the king could have hoped for. The king made Thomas Cramner the tutor of Edward and basically Thomas became the man who raised the young boy. By this point, Thomas Cramner had spent years meeting at the White Horse with the other great leaders of the Reformation. He had come to have a great understanding of the Bible and a love for Jesus Christ. So he raised little Edward to love Jesus and to know his Bible. The king then married Anne of Cleves, a 25-year-old, and then divorced her just a few months later for a 17-year-old named Catherine Howard. Catherine was in love with a young man named Francis Dorman, and they were engaged when the king decided to marry her. Catherine had Francis come and work at the castle so they could continue to be together. When the king found out about the young teenage couple, he had them both killed. Then the king got sick suddenly and died. He was a pretty wicked man and definitely had not started the Reformation in England under any thoughts of looking for truth but he left behind an eight-year-old son who took the throne. Edward was just a child, but as a child, he made it his goal to see England become the light of the gospel. Thomas Cramner remained his main guidance, and the Reformation took off. There was nothing holding it back. There was no pope, no king. They could preach what they wanted, write what they wanted, and openly share the good news of Jesus Christ. Edward wanted nothing more than to please his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And his time on the throne was the time of peace and freedom in England. Then, suddenly, at the age of 15, Edward became sick. As the months passed, it became clear to everyone that Edward would not live much longer. Edward was not afraid to die, but he was afraid to leave England in the hands of his older sister, who was next in line for the throne. Mary had vowed her revenge on the Church of England, who she blamed for her mother's exile and death. And now, as a young lady, she could take the throne and have that revenge. Edward knew that he had the power to give his throne to someone of his choosing before he died. Edward had a cousin named Jane. Jane was just one year older than Edward and shared his love of Jesus Christ. Edward declared Jane as the next queen just before he died. On July 10, 1553, Lady Jane Grey became the Queen of England. 
However, there were many people in England who were still loyal to the Catholic Church and didn't want the Church of England to succeed. These same people had loved Catherine and had seen Catherine as a rightful queen the entire time. And they believed Mary would be just as wonderful as Catherine had been. They wanted the Church of England to be eradicated, and they saw only one person who would do that, Mary. Over the next week, Mary and her supporters worked together, and Mary was also pronounced Queen of England. Now, there were two queens. But although the Church of England had spread throughout King Edward's reign, the support for the Catholic Church was stronger, and just nine days after she became queen, Lady Jane Eyre was taken before the people. She stood and she said these words, Good people, I am come hither to die, and by a law I am condemned to the same. The fact indeed against the Queen's Highness was unlawful, and the consenting thereunto by me. But touching the procurement and desire thereof by me, or on my behalf, I do wash my hands therefore in innocency, before God and the face of you, good Christian people, this day. She then recited Psalms chapter 51. After that, she took off her gloves. She reached into her dress and took her handkerchief out. She placed both of them in the hands of her maid who was standing beside her. The man who had the job of killing her stood forward and looked at her. Please give me your forgiveness. I grant you forgiveness. I pray you dispatch me quickly. Jane then took blindfolds. She tied them around her head. But with her eyes blindfolded, she could not see where the block was. She reached out and could not find it. The young 16-year-old then began to cry. What shall I do? Where is it? Sir Thomas Bridge, a deputy lieutenant, stepped forward. He took her hand and helped her to find the block. She laid her head on the block and said, Lord, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Lady Jane Grey became the first of the martyrs under Mary. History would remember Mary as Bloody Mary. Mary had one man she wanted to see dead, Thomas Cramner. Thomas was the man who started the church with her father. He was the man who had annulled the marriage, and he was the one who had tutored her brother. He must die. Thomas was arrested and told to recant the faith or die. Thomas had seen a lot in his life, and he decided the best thing to do was recant, do what the queen wanted, and then once the queen was gone, he could continue his work. He signed the paper recanting everything and pledging his loyalty to the queen and the pope. Mary was furious. She vowed to find a way to kill him anyway. In the meantime, Mary rounded up the heads of the Church of England. She had them taken back to their churches and burned at the stake in front of the church for the congregation to see. She then continued her killing by burning alive anyone who refused to vow allegiance to the Catholic Church. This included men, women, and even children. No one was spared. Thomas Cramner watched as his friends from the White House Tavern were rounded up and refused to sign any paper or recant anything. He watched as women and children were burned alive rather than denounce the faith, and his heart was torn in two. Two of Thomas's good friends, Hugh Latimer and Ridley, were killed on the same day. As the men were led to die, Hugh Latimer said to his friend Ridley, Play the man, Master Ridley. We shall, this day, light such a candle by God's grace in England as I trust shall never be put out. One day, Thomas stood up in church. 
and said he should not have signed the paper. He did not have any allegiance to the Pope. In fact, the Pope was an antichrist and a devil. The pro-Catholics in the crowd ran and grabbed him, and he was immediately taken to be burned. As the fire was lit, Thomas took his right hand, the one that had signed the document, and put it into the flames until it burned off. And then the fire took the rest of him. Mary reigned for four years, and during that time many Christians fled England. But the Protestant church did not die, it grew. In fact, the church grew more under the reign of Bloody Mary than it did under Edward. Hugh Latimer's prayer had been answered, a light, a candle had been lit, and it would not go out. Mary died with no heir to the throne, and that left Elizabeth, the daughter of Anne Boleyn, as the Queen of England. Elizabeth took the throne in a time when the Catholics and the Protestants were at odds, I guess you could say. The Catholics had spent the last four years hunting down and killing the Protestants, and the Protestants, for obvious reasons, didn't trust anyone who was Catholic. Elizabeth was a Protestant and now the head of the Church of England. She reinstated the church and she wanted the church to be different now than how it had been under Edward. The church would be very broad and mild in its theology. Catholics and Protestants would both be welcome and nothing would be preached that would make either uncomfortable. The church would be a place of love and acceptance. All are welcome and all are equal. While this sounds good, it meant a watering down of theology. It's hard, I would even say impossible, to preach the Bible with accuracy without offending anyone. Today, the Church of England has a few different names, Anglican, Episcopal, and the Church of England. It's all the same church. While there are great men and women of God who have lived and still live under the umbrella of this church, it never walked away from the teachings of Elizabeth, and still today is a church that has at its foundation a core value of peace and acceptance over theology. In our next episode, we're going to see what was happening in Scotland during this time and how one queen in Scotland got wrapped up in the drama of Bloody Mary and how one very short man with a sharp tongue changed Scotland. Today, there's a bunch of churches named after him. In fact, there's one just down the road from where I live. We're going to be talking about Knox. So see you next week. Don't forget to visit lauraleesiemens.com. There are more podcasts with other amazing Christians on my website you're going to want to check out. That's right. For more blogs, podcasts, and videos, go to lauraleesiemens.com. I'll see you next week.